0: You're listening to The Packernet Podcast Network You ready? Showtime On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy Let's do it later Let's drink a spicy margarita Make some bad decisions Yes
2: Sort of protective tape or wrap on that thumb next time we see Rodgers. Third and goal. Prescott stands in, delivers, and is intercepted
0: in the end zone. Rudy Ford has a convoy. Rudy Ford with a...
4: Reception as a Packer and it comes in the end zone at a big time.
3: Alright, what's up guys? Welcome to Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to PackersTotalAccess at gmail.com. And if you want to text the show, you can send a text message to 865-658-5824. We're live on YouTube and Twitter, just hanging out on this, uh, this Friday evening before the 4th. I know we've got a lot of festivities coming up here, and uh, we've got our good buddy Jacob from Packernet Fantasy Podcast on with us live uh jacob how you been doing buddy i'm
5: doing good i actually went to work today like real work but uh i got off in time so that i could relax and um get to jump on here and talk some football so that's a great friday
3: absolutely man it don't get no better than that you gonna blow some stuff up this weekend or are you taking it easy what, what's 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 a normal fourth of july look like for jake
5: i mean if i if i don't have to work which i'm working at a smokehouse just fourth of july all the fun holidays father's day it's just means i'm there working so i might throw some fireworks um out the back of the shop and see how that works
3: there you might go right. scare the customers nothing wrong with that right sure and uh sure we got zane in the chat uh, what's up love love your channel keep up the good work go pack go all right zane good to see zane. you tonight but appreciate the calm words Um, And it looks like we're going to have Mr. Green himself on the show with us here in just a second. That's uh, I I, I weaseled the first name out of him, Jacob. I'm excited about this. I always feel like I'm in class calling him Mr. Green. So uh, his name is actually Tim up there in Green Bay. Uh, Good dude. uh, Obviously a great follow on Twitter. You can find him, uh, I think, at Packers, M-K-E-2-G-R-B on Twitter is his handle. Uh, So let's do this, man. First of all, what do you think's the big news, man? I know we're going to hear from Rashawn Gary here in a second, Jacob. When we kind of do these pods, especially in the offseason, you kind of look up and go, okay, what what's going on this week, right? And I was trying to look at the calendar and see exactly how much time we have. I mean, obviously, uh, tomorrow is the first. Um, so we're looking at starting training camp on the 25th. So we're, yeah, roughly, what, 25 days out until training camp starts. Things are going to get really, really interesting. Um what, what kind of flash to you this week? Anything kind of popped up?
5: Uh, one thing that um, I saw that I'm not sure if you've seen this. It was just a little YouTube video that's uh, led into one that I was watching. But Dan Orlovsky from ESPN, have you heard the rumor that he apparently has been in touch with Matt LaFleur? Not just this year, but in prior years, supposedly in 2019, they reached out and talked to each other about doing a possible – not maybe an offensive coordinator, with some sort of offensive coaching position. He said at the time that he didn't want to do it and that he was focused on his family. However, in 2017, in January, I believe that's when LaFleur was uh, promoted to be the offensive coordinator in L.A., they also signed Orlovsky that year and they had an overlap of about two months where apparently they maybe created some sort of bond or whatever, and it's been talked about that recently Orlovsky said on air that he had spoken again recently to Matt Lafleur about joining, and possibly coaching at some point in the future or in the near future. I'm not quite sure, but I honestly be I'd be pretty cool with that. I think the guy's got a, a very deep wealth and a uh, deep well of knowledge. That'd be cool, you know. that's
3: that's very interesting. I haven't heard that. Um, you know, you obviously you played for the Lions. We all know him as the guy that ran out of the back of the end zone, right? Um, I don't know if you remember that player, right. not Jacob, but yeah. Oh yeah. But I'll tell you, as far as an analyst, um. You know, I always get a little bit – I don't know what the right word is here. I get a little bit irritated when people say, oh, well, what does he know? He was just a backup. Uh, He knows more than me. I wasn't a backup in the NFL, right? And when you hear him kind of do his analysis, he's had some hot takes, but you know that kind of goes with the job at ESPN. You can tell those people are role playing to a certain extent. You can tell they sit in their production meeting and go, "Okay, here's your stance. Here's your stance. Here's your stance. Make the argument right." That's something that that happens quite often. Now, with that being said, um, I think the dude knows football. Um, I love the way he uh, he analyzes things. I think I think at times the the thing I've noticed about Dan Orlovsky, he seems to kind of lean toward the underdog a bit. You know, he he talked up Malik Willis, right, when people were kind of saying, hey, Malik Willis might not be pro, pro material. Um, this year he really talked up Anthony Richardson, which you guys know when I was asked by a listener, hey, why don't you tell me your take on these quarterbacks? I broke everything down, and I wasn't all that impressed with Anthony Richardson. And, and you know, the argument I always have was if he didn't have his mobility, what round would you draft him in? And everybody was like, "Ooh!" So wasn't, now, what you're doing? Wasn't he
5: like at best a 57 percent passer rating in college?
3: I mean, I think it was like I think last year it was something like 51 or 53. Yeah, like, I mean, back.
5: and that's college, so
3: yeah. I'm so, but, and it's not the not to bash him. I'm just saying, like he he tends to Orlovsky tends to lean towards finding the good in people, right? And I don't know if you remember this. I don't know how often you watch the McAfee show. It's one of my favorite, you know, shows. Um, he was on there last year or last offseason, and I think it was during training camp, and they were showing the the bucket drill, right, where they were throwing into the nets. And they showed Aaron Rodgers throwing the net. And, of course, Pat McAfee acted like it had never been done before, right? <laughs> um, and Dan Orlovsky was like, bro, any quarterback in the league can do that. And, and Pat lost his mind. He, he just couldn't believe that someone would think, that a pro quarterback could throw into a net from 40 yards away. Right. And yeah, I know when Aaron did it, everybody went nuts the same as they, you know, they did for any other quarterback um, that completed that drill there in green Bay. But the thing that, um, that kind of caught me there was like, it's almost like he he's one of the few guests that came on the McAfee show and didn't just absolutely bow down to Aaron. Right. And uh, now that you're saying he's kind of had ties with Matt LaFleur kind of Kind of makes sense, right? Not that Matt doesn't like Aaron. We know he adores Aaron, right. um, but at the same time, man, it's—I uh, don't know—I could—I could, I could kind of see him fitting into that role. Um, the thing that—the thing that I think uh, Green Bay could use and Matt Lafleur could use, and I think this goes all the way across the league—is something that Michael Lombardi talks about all the time, and that's that coaches need coaches, right? And you look at these modern NFL coaches—they don't have those coaches. And what I mean by that is like Bill Parcells. A lot of people don't know this and I can't think of his name. I'll I'll butcher it. I know I'll get it wrong, but he had a mentor that followed him everywhere he went coaching. Right. I think his name was Mickey Mickey. I'm going to screw it up. Anyway, he was actually Bill Parcells high school basketball coach. And he followed Parcells everywhere he went his entire career as his his quote-unquote mentor, a coach's coach. And it's crazy because when you tie it back, why did he choose him? Obviously, it was his high school coach. But he actually, um, he being Parcells' basketball coach in high school, actually was coached in basketball by Vince Lombardi. So – yeah, there, there was a, a unique tie there because uh, this guy was from New York. Obviously, Lombardi started coaching, started teaching in New York um, there. I think in uh, I don't think it was Brooklyn. I can't remember what part. It might have been Brooklyn, might have been Queens, but his dad had a meat, uh, a meat shop, right, where he was basically a butcher. And they said his dad was tatted up, dude, as strict as Lombardi was. They said that Vince's dad was tatted up and they showed pictures of him. Yeah, you're yeah, right. You're They said he actually had uh, tattoos on his fingers, and one side said "work" and the other side said "play," and it was like this this dichotomy. I know us. (laughs) I know. I know all about it. So I thought that was pretty cool. But uh, anyway, um, what I would like to see Green Bay do is, I would feel a lot better about my coaching staff if they had somebody like that. You you understand that these guys that absolutely love the game of football would they would they would. I mean, come running to Green Bay if Matt LaFleur reached out to some legendary coach, whether it's somebody like a Bill Parcells or just insert anyone. You know, it's the same thing with, uh, with Bill Belichick in New England. He always says Ernie Adams. Ernie Adams is this guy that has followed Bill everywhere. He's, he's not really a mentor to Bill, but he's just kind of this right-hand man that's never actually coaching. He just always, uh, you know, just combing through tape and, and finding little ways to win.
5: But, Can I make a comparison, not to that necessarily a mentor, but um, is a Kellen Moore a type of player that would be an ex-player that maybe didn't hit their potential that is a really great offensive mind, similar to absolutely. like Arlovsky? Does that kind of make sense along those lines?
3: Absolutely, man. Those who can't teach. That's exactly – I don't know if you've ever heard that old saying, those who yeah. can't teach. Matt LaFleur, a lot of people don't know this. Matt LaFleur was a quarterback.
5: D2, right?
3: Play at the NFL. What's he doing? He's teaching. He's coaching. Right. Right, and uh, we're joined on the line here with Tim, and Tim's sitting there going, "Man, am I going to have to listen to this crap all night long, or am I going to get to talk here?" But we appreciate you joining the show, buddy. This is the artist formerly known as Mister Green. His name is Tim up <laughs> here in Green Bay. But how you doing today, buddy?
4: Good, man. You know, once you hit forty, you become Sir and Mister to everyone. So you know, <laughs>
3: that's true. Absolutely, dude. Hey, it's all I- good.
4: Thanks for having me, though.
3: No, you're welcome, man. We always enjoy having you on the show. And it's it's funny because I get made fun of sometimes because I say, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, everywhere I go. And and the reason I say it's because it's like I was trained as a young child that if I if I don't say it to someone, I'm expecting somebody to slap me in the back of the head. I'm expecting mama or, or papa to just pop me for not saying, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. But uh, maybe that's a Southern thing, too. I don't know. Um Let's do this, man. I was telling Jacob offline here. Really wanted to hit on the Rashawn Gary comments, and um, and what we're going to do is share the screen here. It may get a little bit glitchy. Hopefully, it doesn't. But basically, Rashawn Gary uh, was on the Rich Eisen show, and he was actually talking about. Um, really, Rich asked him, you know, what do you have to say to Packer fans about this season? Because things are, you know, things are kind of up in the air. I think we would all agree we don't know what to expect, right? Um, So what we're going to do is share the screen here and let's hear from Rashawn Gary and what he had to say to Rich's question. It's about four minutes long. Just bear with us and then we'll respond to it. But the reason this is important to me, gang, is because Rashawn Gary is a leader of this team. Rashawn Gary is one of those guys that just absolutely. I don't know, man, he just uh, he bleeds Green Bay.
0: Right. And uh, I'm excited to hear from him. Yeah. What would you say? to Packers fans right now who are wondering what this team's going to look like for the first time without Aaron Rodgers. Rashawn.
1: Yeah, for the Packers fans out there that's even, you know, sweating and nervous, don't be nervous because everybody in the organization that's in that building every day is putting in the work to make sure we have the season that Green Bay used to have and that's going to the playoffs and going to the Super Bowl and nothing has changed. And, um, I just can't wait to see Jordan Love go out there and put his hard work out there because I've been seeing him from the time he walked into Green Bay getting better day by day and now he's our leader and he's been he's been controlling it, and I've just been loving seeing uh, his growth every step.
0: Okay, now let's jump into that. Uh, what have you seen out of Jordan Love that makes you think you're going to be just as good in a playoff team? Give me that one just, for Sean.
1: Yeah, number one is just how he has the respect from his teammates and how he has everybody ready to go to war for him. Um, you know, as a quarterback you know, the tempo is set off of him so just his, you know, how he's handling the huddle, how, you know, everybody's listening to him. He's, called, he's calling out protection. You know, off the line is breaking it down and checking it back to what he said and just seeing this, you know, confidence, you know, his five-step drop back, stand down, uh, understanding his reads, understanding where not to throw the ball, where to throw the ball. And so far, through OTAs, from what I've seen, His hard work in the off season just his years of preparation is coming along so i just can't wait for him to go out there and get his opportunity well
0: and obviously he's going to get that opportunity it's finally time uh and and what's your relationship been with him since he got drafted i mean he got he got drafted if i'm not mistaken the year right after you rashawn so you've been around him a while you know so what do you what do you have for me on, on on that front where where he's he what what's your relationship been like with him about uh with knowing him under the helmet
1: yeah um you know Jordan Love man he's a down-to-earth guy you know genuine really cares and very passionate about his job and from day one you could tell you know the frustration of you know every play you know you get drafted first round and you know he wants to be great now he wants you know everybody to see how great he is now but you know you get into certain circumstances and for him, you know, he was able to come come in and watch all the time and watch how he was able to work. And, you know, some of the things that gives you like, like Aaron, a man of residence, he's took in and, you know, put underneath his belt and added his little swag to it. But just seeing this composure of understanding on um, what it is to be a first-round pick and what it is just to keep your head down and work every day and not listen to what reporters are saying and actually coming in day in and day out listening to what the coach is saying, getting feedback from his teammates to become a better player.
0: Well, you also know what it's like to terrorize a quarterback, Rashawn. You know what it's like to you know, uh, recognize a weakness and exploit it. So would you say Jordan Love, from your perspective, is ready to face people like you on a week-in, week-out basis?
1: Um, to answer that question, I'll say as of right now, what I've been seeing OTAs, yes, he's on the way of getting ready. Because we still have a couple months, well, basically a couple weeks before we head back Right. for to camp, so you know he understands what he needs to correct from OTAs. So I just can't wait to see this joint Love coming back to camp, and maybe we have another interview in camp. I can give you a better
0: answer. Okay, very good. And so, and and that's that's straight up honest. I appreciate that. And um, last one for you on this: Is there any sort of I'll use the word benefit in the fact that whatever was going on between Aaron Rodgers and the Packers and the questions about his, you know, long-term plans to stay there or short-term plans to stay there, benefit in the fact that this you finally got an answer that that is now out the door and it's something completely different to focus on, Rashawn Gary.
1: Um. Yes. To answer your question, it's good to understand um who's our starting quarterback. Uh, the direction of the team is going. So we understand that. And like I said, throughout the OTAs, we've been attacking and making sure day by day we're chipping and uh, we're uh, sculpting what we want to sculpt. So uh, I say yes, just to understand. We understand uh, where we need to uh, go from now. I love that answer, man,
3: there at the end. Like, he shot that down. I don't know if you guys noticed, but my man was like, he was like, you know, what do you think about Aaron leaving? And, you know, is it going to be – and he's like, hey, what we do understand is who our starting quarterback is right now. Like, yep. Rashawn Gary ain't having none of it, and I love Did it. You? He was asked the other day about the injury again, and and he's probably tired of answering it. But he looked at me and said, I'll be ready when I'm ready. And they said, so do you feel like you're, you know, on schedule? I'll be ready when I'm ready. Like, <laughs> Shot him a look. But Rashawn
4: uh, is a total, total pro absolute total pro you see Eisen tried to bait him with the rogers question and he totally like perfectly addressed it it was great yeah Yeah, he's really really
5: good at that i was wondering did you if you let that play unless i missed it i jumped up for like 30 seconds but unless i'm mistaken there was another minute or so in that interview when he asked how jordan love looks and he was very honest. Rashawn Gary says he looks really, really good. He's got some stuff he has to clean up, just here and there. But all in all, I feel like he's going to be a really solid quarterback. And then Rich Eisen said, "What exactly does he need to clean up?" And he says, "Basically, how about you talk to me in three or four weeks after we go into camp, and I'll I'll tell you exactly what he needs to clean up." And Rich Eisen's like, "Wow, that was uh, the most honest answer I've ever gotten from anybody." Basically, and hmm. I was I I thought that was a great answer by Rashawn. He was he kind of was like shut up we don't know you don't know nobody knows why do you want me just to tell you something that's bs and at the same time he said i'll come and sit here on your show and tell you whether or not i think he's a good quarterback in like five weeks just give me a minute you know i like it
3: (laughs) absolutely you know, that's it, the thing that I got, I took away from it was, you know, Jordan loves composure. He talked about his composure. He talked yeah. about his work ethic. He talked about how he's listening intently to the coaches. And, and that's not a shot at Aaron, but it kind of feels like it's, you know, yes. yeah, hey, it uh, th- this feels a little bit different, right? So, yeah. um, the other thing, he's confident. He said, ever since he came through the door, He's had this, this level of confidence, like, hey, look, I belong here. Not entitled, but confident is kind of the vibe I got. And uh, the thing that I come away with, whether it's him, Aaron Jones, Romeo Dobbs, Jair Alexander, on and on and on, uh, this team wants Jordan Love to have his chance. They're excited for Jordan to get his chance because, like like Aaron said, he sat, he sat back in the shadow and not said a word, did everything he was asked to do. Now it's his time to shine um yeah i'm i'm really excited about it man you can see people getting antsy on twitter i i got into a little bit of a twitter (laughs) scuffle this morning shock right um and and i try to keep things positive i really do but it's amazing how many people find my twitter page that i'm not following they're not following me but they feel the need to comment on something that i tweet right and uh, it was basically calling me a homer and this and that. and no, oh, you're just all sunshine and rainbows, which is hilarious because we had someone last year say that they were bullied into uh, thinking positive down the stretch of the season. I've, I've never positively bullied anyone in my life, but I guess it happened last year, which is hilarious to think that I'm going to force someone to think positive. But uh, with Jordan, it's <laughs> – like I said all along, we don't know. It's what Greg Cosell said. We don't know. It's what Rashawn Gary's kind of saying. Hey, look, we don't know. We see what he does here, and we're impressed with it. So um, what do you think, Tim?
4: I'm going to be honest with you. Just This is based on, and I'm not an expert, but I've been to camp the last couple of years, more than a few, and I've watched him develop. And I think what Rashawn said about Jay love is so accurate. The first three things he said was he's down to earth, He's passionate, and he cares about his job. Now, is that not someone you want to work with? Absolutely. Is that not like your ideal go to the office and work with this person? Yeah. I mean, I think for sure one thing Jay love does have in common with Aaron Rodgers is he's calm under pressure, and I think this is going to play – a huge role in how this first season with him at the helm goes is, you know, when the play breaks down, you know, making the right decisions, I'm actually not worried about that. I'm, I'm really.
3: Yeah, we may have lost Tim. Tim, just jump back on if you did lose service there, Bub. Um, yeah, I I understand exactly where he's going. You know, I thought I would be a little more concerned with, oh, God, how is Jordan Love going to perform? I feel pretty confident that he can be a starting quarterback. Now, will he be a top-ten quarterback? We're going to find out, right? Um, that's going to be the uh, the big difference maker for sure. I was trying to find that tweet because someone pointed out um, just like how, how rare it was. I think it was Ty, Tyler Dunn, I believe. This is what he said. Tyler Dunn on uh, Twitter, and uh, a listener actually tagged me and Ryan in this, but this is what Tyler Dunn said um well i don't know exactly what he said but this is what the listener said okay tyler dunn i think it may may be time to visit for a visit to at espn homer which is you know you guys know homer he's got a show um he said this week j love will never be more than slightly average because he threw 17 picks in college i present you steve young who threw 18 his second year of college right and he tagged uh Tagged uh, Ryan, and then, of course, we got into a a little bit of a back-and-forth just talking about stats, and um, this is what he said, Jacob. Uh, Daddy said, Brett Favre threw 15 touchdowns and 13 interceptions, Eli Manning threw 15, Matt Ryan threw 19, Patrick Mahomes threw 15, Josh Allen threw 15, Dan Marino threw 23, uh, two years in a row, Drew Brees threw 20 interceptions. I'm sure I can do this for a very long time is what he said. So what you're essentially talking about is at least at a minimum four first ballot hall of famers and another guy who won an MVP under Matt LaFleur, by the way, uh, being Matt Ryan, they they act like because he threw interceptions in college, oh my God, what are we going to do now? You go back to the Anthony Richardson talk and he threw interceptions, right? And we talked about that, but you didn't see the accuracy issues that you've seen with Anthony Richardson on Jordan, right? Lundley, right? No, totally, different. Exactly. totally different. And it does come into play that there was multiple offensive coordinators. I think I think they changed offensive coordinators back-to-back years on Jordan. Every,
5: yeah, I think every That's year he true. was there, yeah. And yeah. plus the fact that, that that junior or senior year, whatever the last year he was, that he lost everybody. I mean, he lost, I think, his OC. He lost all of his wide receivers. He lost his offensive line. He lost, I think, a lot of people on defense. The fact that he decided to come back, play that year, knowing that basically he was going to be thrown to the wolves that he yeah. and then he went out and he tried to throw he, he played like a quarterback that had nothing then other than th- chuck it up and just see what would happen and to be honest yeah yeah i kind of respect that more than somebody would have been like oh, i gotta pad my stats so maybe i can get drafted you know at, exactly. at some level he just said screw it i want to i want to help my team win uh whether or not that makes me fall from a first-round quarterback prospect to maybe a second or third, whoever. But I, yeah. I respect that, honestly, more about him. So,
3: Yeah, I agree, man, completely. Completely. All right, let's do this, man. Let's change gears, and uh, let's get to a, uh, a listener question. And this isn't exactly what Dakota asked for, which Dakota may be joining us here in a little bit. And, Tim, if you're listening now, um, I don't know what happened to the connection. It could be on our end. I apologize. Yeah, I really uh, like
5: that I can – call him Tim because yeah I didn't Mr. Green I was like (laughs) it felt like I was in like that weird Reservoir Dogs movie some crap like that I'm like where's Mr. Pink and
3: (laughs) I messaged him and asked hey can we call you by your first name and then I thought If he says no, I'm just going to say, "Can you just make up a name?" (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, but uh, anyway, Dakota from Tennessee may be joining us here in a minute too. And Tim, if you can hear us, you want to try to hop back on? Feel free to man. If it glitches out again, then hey, no worries. It's uh, it's all part of the process here. This is I really really do like
5: his insights. He is he's really he's good off the cuff, man. That guy, you can tell he's a passionate Packer fan.
3: Yeah, going to add a little bit of intelligence to this show with me, host, Sure, I sure. <laughs> But Dakota in Tennessee said, is it possible to do a, quote, what could be chalk talk, where we analyze the snaps left over from all the offensive weapons um, that left and new players stepping into those, how roles would change? For example, Lazard had 873 snaps, but we don't have a Lazard on this roster anymore. What could What could we do with those snaps and who would do it I know that's incredibly vague and it would all essentially be make-believe, but it sounds like fun, LOL. So what we were going to do rather than do a chalk talk, we're just kind of hit on that a little bit. You know, that was the big topic last week uh, or the last episode. Jacob was just talking about snap count and uh, you kind of came with those numbers right off the bat. When he says we don't have a Lazard, I agree. You know, Romeo Dobbs doesn't doesn't fit that build of a uh, Alan Lazard. Christian Watson doesn't. Although Christian Watson's tall and he's he's lean and he's got that that breakaway speed, he's not built like Alan Lazard's game. Although he can block. Um if anybody of the receivers fits that role it's probably Christian Watson. Um Jay Jaden maybe
5: Debose if he's healthy. Yeah. That'd be maybe that other guy.
3: And here's the one that came to mind for me. And that's Luke Musgrave. Yeah. I think I think there's a good chance that if Luke Musgrave has an, an absolutely awesome camp, and let's say that DeGuara does take that step, like you were kind of talking about, you can see DeGuara getting the majority of the snaps. He knows the offense, all that. I wouldn't be surprised when they go, you know, uh, 12 personnel that they actually flex. Um, whether he's the F or the Y, they flex out Luke Musgrave, and he can kind of become that Alan Lazard. You know, on paper last year in that specific play with Lazard on the field, it may have been eleven personnel, one running back, one tight end, three wide receivers. But in this case, it's technically twelve personnel, and you've got Luke Musgrave flexed out to where Lazard was. He should be able to block just as good as Lazard did, if not better. And he's just as fast. You know, it's crazy, Jacob. I was looking at this. I'm I'm going to turn it over to you here in just a second, but I tweeted something out the other day. I went through Next Gen Stats, and on record, the fastest clocked players in the National Football League last year. Number one, Paris Campbell, Campbell, uh, wide receiver for Indianapolis, was clocked at twenty-two point eleven miles per hour. Okay, this is uh, obviously this is uh, you know miles per hour according to Next Gen Stats. Kenneth Walker of Seattle, running back, twenty-two point zero nine mile an hour. Number three was Brees Hall of the Jets at 21.87 miles an hour. Number four, 90 year old Deshaun, or Deshaun Jackson, I was um, say. 21.7 miles an hour, bro. And him, wow. him being that, oh, he, I, oh my God, That's I can't remember But number five was Christian Watson at 21.7 miles an hour. Now, why do I mention that? Luke Musgrave was clocked at over 20 miles an hour, I believe, at the Senior, Senior Bowl. Bowl. Is that right? Yeah in college. So, and that's with pads, that's with everything. That's football speed. Yeah. I'm telling you, man, there's no doubt in my mind Luke Musgrave is faster on the field than Alan Lazard. I think he can kind of play that role. So with that being said, Jake, I'm going to turn it over to you. And we got Tim back on the line with us. We'll go to him here in just a second, but what do you got for Dakota as far as that question? How can we kind of get in the ballpark of what he was looking for?
5: Well, I guess what we should look at then is what we did last year versus what we could do this year. And minus the guys that we know are leaving. So let's look at it. So basically, like Clayton was talking about, we were in 11 personnel more than anything last year, 57% of all snaps in 11 personnel. So if you want to switch out those guys and then add in the amount of snaps, uh, I believe the actual snaps for Lazard was 863. I don't have it in front of me, but um, and then the next guy after that was uh, Dobbs, I believe, in the 500s, and then it was Watson and so on. So if you look at that through that, lens it's a little bit interesting but then it goes to the second overall formulation was the 12 personnel at 29 followed by the 21 personnel at nine percent and then the shotgun we were in shotgun 69 of the time we were under center actually 31 percent of the time motion versus non-motion was almost exactly split 50 50 with the motion getting 59 but the no motion 51 if you look at just that alone on its head minus the guys that we know we're losing i mean You have to plug in. We talked about the wide receivers. We've talked about the tight ends. Um, The O line was a little bit more interesting, just because I didn't realize. So, who would you think off the top of your head, Clayton, out of the whole offense, any player, any position, who had more snaps, the most snaps last year?
3: Oh wow! If I had to guess um, on offense, it would probably be Josh Myers, right? I don't think he missed. Did he miss a game, Josh Myers?
5: Josh Myers. I thought I was going to snag you there he is the number one snap leader he didn't not he he did not miss no other center took a snap last year than josh myers wow 1091 snaps the second overall regardless of any position was aaron Rodgers at 1068. so basically he what 30 ish or so snaps yeah um so that being said we look into the year two or i shouldn't say year two but the next year and Um, let's maybe pump the brakes here for tackle just the tackle position who would you think had the most snaps
3: tackle at tackle who i would have to say man i'd have to say yosh right
5: dang it i hate you
3: did i get it all right
5: yeah 756 for yosh everybody's listening
3: oh no he teed these up for him we did not we have
5: not talked about this whatsoever i promise you um (laughs) bach was followed by in in a far away second 597 followed by zach tom at 498 and then our guy tenuda luke tenuda who i didn't even know honestly to be honest i didn't know he was a guy until
3: like two (laughs) months ago had a great grade but only seven snaps it's
5: seven snaps there you go so uh and then at the guard position mr john runyon jr 1051 snaps i believe that would rack in him third overall of all snaps on the team followed by jenkins at 960 followed by our own royce i'm a hillbilly god newman is at 451 followed by jake hansen uh who you know jake hansen's just been that guy he's just been hanging around he had 69 snaps but again then center alone josh myers at 1091 snaps so you know a lot of people that have been on the uh, anti-myers train and that kind of stuff i just i didn't realize that he was that valuable imagine if we have to shift around the offensive line at all and if he takes even the smallest of steps i'd really like to see that as far as the personnel groupings go that 21 personnel is what Clayton, you want to break down the how that works the 21 11 12 just real quick. Yeah,
3: you know, the 21 is very unique when it comes to Green Bay because I would imagine they're not they're not treating Uh, Deguara as a fullback, even though he plays that H-back role. He's technically a tight end. So what it tells me is that 21 personnel, which is two running backs, one tight end, that's when we were in the pony package, which means they were in the gun and you had a double sidecar. You had Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. Now, me, when I hear 21 personnel, um, the way I look at 21 personnel is you're looking at a running back. You're looking at a blocking back, right? You're looking at a fullback. That's, that's the 21 personnel that they run in San Francisco. When it comes to Green Bay, when you hear 21, you immediately, if you've watched the tape, you think that was the pony package, not the same dynamic, not the same dynamic at all. So I would actually, um, the way they would use that too, which really caught me off guard, they did a lot of flexing A.J. Dillon out rather than Aaron Jones. It was like they were trying to carry people out of the box and then hand the ball to Aaron Jones or just dump it in the flat on a quick pass. Um, You know, I, I personally was as excited about the pony package, more excited than anyone else, and it flopped. It flopped dead. I expected them to use it different, but again, I'm not a head coach. They know a lot more about football than I do. They've seen something to try to utilize it. But to answer your question, yeah, 21 personnel is typically two running backs, one tight end. That means there's a halfback, a fullback, and a tight end, two receivers. In this case, though, with the Green Bay, it's probably the pony package.
5: Well, I guess then I would ask then what would we, who would we replace these guys with those snaps last year kind of thing? So we looked at the tight end group. Obviously, we're losing uh, two staples with uh, Mercedes Lewis and with Tanyan but the then does he fill into that role that um I mean I I, I again as a fantasy guy I've been putting all my eggs into the Luke Musgrave basket and I'm now realizing oh my gosh that's probably and I usually use him like Zane talked about here he goes I got Musgrave from my fantasy Zane I'm guessing you probably grabbed him on one of your last picks which I've been telling everybody grab him on your last pick it's it's just a nothing but an upside pick but it is such a Packers move. We talked about it, I think, last, that Jaguara. randomly, the guy that didn't get drafted. Everybody says it's a bust, but he's the only guy now, other than Tyler Davis, that's really in the system, that knows all of the positional tweaks that they want that tight end, because the Packers tight end, again, they really do explore that overall spectrum, everything from the Y, the inline, the X, the the H back, all that kind of stuff. I think yeah. that they have, usually we used to have, you know, we had your Mercedes Lewis's, your Deguara's. It's clearly the H-back. You had your Tyler Davis's, which were the, you know, Tyler Davis. I don't know what you call him. I don't know. I don't know <laughs> what you well, call him. He that.
3: breaks out. I'm telling G- you. <laughs> you no,
5: know, if he ended like, makes up, if he won, if he ends up catching, like, the Super Bowl winning pass, I still think I'd be like, Tyler
3: Davis. Why did it have to be Tyler?
5: Why did it have to be Davis? Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. I mean. Um, well, one thing I did want to look at was if we looked at those formations, which were the most common in the last year, and then were you able to maybe see what our most common plays or maybe our most popular plays would be? And if so, maybe we swap out the Lazard for let's say mm-hmm. Watson and so on and so forth throughout the line. Cause I looked at it, yeah. obviously the offensive line isn't going to much change. We've seen those guys. I have some other stuff we could talk about on defense, but I was interested most on what you thought about that.
3: Well, I wasn't prepared for that question, but I will answer it right. as best I can. Uh, no, it's totally cool. This is this is sometimes some of the best conversations. Honestly, when it goes off cuff, um, in the running game, what we d- what we learned was outside zone and pin and pull. Okay, forget the running game. Let's talk passing. The thing that comes to mind for me the most, and nobody wants to hear it, and it's a big big part of. Um, of Matt LaFleur's offense, and people will automatically say, no, that was Aaron doing that. That was Aaron doing that. Well, if it was Aaron doing that, then why are they doing it everywhere else The Shanahan tree ends up, including San Francisco, where they run a lot of RPO peak, right? So RPO was the big thing, right? Uh, Pre-snap hat count, like me and Dusty talked about, pre-snap hat count's determine I'm throwing the ball right there. But on top of that, what I've seen a lot of was dagger and wrap. And what I mean by dagger and wrap concepts, dagger is really simple. Um, Dagger is basically you're going to send the inside receiver. Let's let's pretend like there's two receivers right on on the right side of the field. And we're going to run a dagger concept there. You've got your your inside receiver. Right. And you got your outside receiver. And my camera's mirrored, so this is probably backwards, but you guys get the idea. The (laughs) inside receiver is going to run a streak, a non-route, a go-route. He's going to stretch the field, whether it's a non-fade or a skinny post. He's going to be running that non-route, okay? Um, And the dagger aspect is underneath – you're bringing a dig underneath. So you're trying to stretch the defense vertically and then attack the middle of the field of the void that's now not occupied. Okay, That's the dagger concept. I've seen that a lot. Another one was wrap concept. We've seen this a lot with Philly. Kurt Warner broke it down big time. Um, a wrap concept is real simple. Same, Take the same two receivers. The inside receiver is going to run a sit. And some of this is choice routes. What we notice on the on the Kurt Warner videos, I think half the field was a choice route and the other half was an honest wrap. And what I mean by wrap is the inside receiver runs a five yard curl or hitch, however you want to, you know, word it or whatever you know the choice route ends up being if the defense is playing with inside leverage they may they may have the freedom in Matt LaFleur's room to say hey look if they're showing inside leverage let's run a hitch which is that outside like what some people would call a comeback right if they're playing outside leverage then we're going to run a curl which is curled to the inside but the wrap aspect of it you got the curl on the inside and then you got the dig on the outside. So what you're looking to do is with the dagger stretch the field vertically open up the middle of the field. And then with the wrap, you're looking to sit underneath. If they don't bite on the sit, hammer that curl, get a couple yak, uh, you know yak yards, and you you know you got five, six, seven yards on a first down or a second down. Or if they don't bite on that, if they bite on the curl, then you can catch this little void on the backside with the deep dig. Um, those are the two things that come to mind for me, Jacob. I hope that answered your question. But the two passing concepts that really stood out to me. Was outside of the RPO, and with RPO you got bubble, you got peak, you got a number of different RPOs. But outside of RPO, what I seen was a lot of dagger and a lot of wrap concepts. So running game outside zone pin and pull, and then passing game a lot of wrap, a lot of dagger, and different right. variations of the dagger too, where you can have a Y climb acrosser uh, along with it as well. You can stretch the field vertically and run a crosser underneath. That's still technically uh, a dagger concept. Um, but yeah, Mr. Green, you've been cut off a couple times. You've been waiting patiently. <sighs> everything that we've talked about, anything you've heard. Let's, let's hear what you got to say. Buddy.
2: <laughs> we all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So us cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered.
4: A lot of running up and down the stairs, uh, trying to get my connection right. <laughs>
5: <laughs> Tim, Tim, can I ask so, you a question as you're talking about running? Yeah, go ahead. Did you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, so as you're literally talking about running, my next question to Clayton, uh, and then I saw you jump back on, how much running do you expect Jordan Love to do as an actual starting quarterback? Do you see him using his legs whatsoever, or is he more of like a Aaron Rodgers – like pocket passer that can use his legs when he needs to, or is he going to be more of like a early quarterback that doesn't trust his arms? So he uses his legs to get out of the situations because I've heard nobody really talk about other than Ryan saying that we had those pre-drafts uh, comparisons to he's the next Patrick Mahomes. Everybody likes to not for not, not remember those sorts of comparisons. And now that we've had him sitting, we've only seen him, you know, run the ball or have really two, or three quality starts or fill-ins so what do you think? Would you like to see him be a running quarterback? Do you think he's a running quarterback? Go.
4: Um, I hope he runs as much as necessary.
3: <laughs> to stay alive. To be honest Gosh. with
4: you. And <laughs> right. and I tell you what, I think he's a hybrid. I think if I he do. needs to tuck and run, he can light you up. And I think if yeah. he hits the back of that drop and plants that leg and fires, you're in trouble too. Um, with him, I think trust your instincts you know i alluded to this earlier before i got cut off but he's very i don't see him panicking if the rush comes or if the pocket breaks down um and you know he's not afraid to to hit that that check down you know in the progression when he needs to so i don't think he's gonna really and tuck and run really um but i also don't think he's just gonna sit in the pocket and take hits either. So I, I think he's a hybrid man. I think he's uh you know, he's Lamar Jackson. Patrick Mahomes meets Aaron Rodgers, you know? Yep.
3: There you go. Hey, I'll tell you this. Uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers, when people say, Oh, well, Jordan Love isn't that kind of football player, he can't scramble. Well, Aaron Rodgers ran a four-seven one forty, right? Coming out of college. Uh, Jordan Love ran a four-seven four right there in the same ballpark. The dude can run. What I want to mm-hmm. see him do is when the play breaks down. We've seen it last year, guys. How many times have we seen – and I know plenty of people custom for it, right? Throw, get rid of the ball. Get rid of the ball. Aaron, hold on to the ball too long. We knew there was no threat to run. Other than the time that he completely sent Jalen Ramsey flying <laughs> towards – I'm telling you, dude, that's probably my favorite play in the last several oh, years yeah. was when he just shrugged him off and you see that picture of him laying in the back and the Packer fan looking over the rail going, absolutely Uh, that's going to be framed in the game room at some point but anyway um so you know you didn't see aaron scramble a lot i don't want jordan looking to scramble after the first or second read progression progression use his feet to create some time but i think now we have someone who can scramble out of the pocket if necessary um the way that aaron did when aaron was young and i'm telling you man if matt lafleur um, I hope he's at least exploring these options. One of the big things that went really, really well in that six-back offense in Philly was that RPR look. We're talking about RPOs already, right? Run pass option. Basically, you come to the line. You look at a pre-snap hat count. Everybody, everybody on the line is anticipating run. The receiver needs to be hot. The receiver needs to be alert, ready for the pass. The ball snap. You take, the, you take the snap, and the quarterback is immediately looking at one defender. If he's coming in on the run, then you're going to fire that ball, and that's the pass option of the run-pass option. If that guy stays at home, you've got the snap count within the box. The ball is going to be handed to the running back. That's a run-pass option. What Philly did was the RPR, right? What they, when he came to the line and was like, okay, if that's not there – That's not there. We're going to be willing to to roll out. It's a run-pass-run option, and not even from the RPO perspective, but just having everything tied into the play where even the offensive linemen know, hey, look, we cannot get beyond the line of scrimmage because there's a good chance that this play right here, our quarterback's going to run if that lane opens up. What you force the defense to do, guys, think of that dagger concept we just talked about. You're stretching the defense vertically. You're bringing a dig underneath, right? You've got everybody having to stay at home. And now they've got to take into consideration on the play side of the field. We've got to cover that running back or that quarterback too, because he's willing to tuck it and go. That's what we mean by six-back offense. It's something Michael Lombardi talks about. I think he actually coined the phrase. You know, typically a defense is schemed up to cover five people, right? You're covering, you know, four wide receivers and the running back, or it might be three wide receivers, a tight end and the running back. It always equals five. But now what you have in Philly is they have to account for that sixth back, that sixth weapon, and that is the quarterback. I wouldn't mind to see a little bit of that with Jordan Love. So when you hear me draw these comparisons and say, hey, why don't we implement a little bit of that? It's what Shane Stockton is going to do in Indianapolis now that he has Anthony Richardson, right? He's the one – he was the offensive coordinator for Philadelphia. I believe he was the OC. He might have been a quarterback's coach, but I think he was the OC. He's now in Indianapolis. They hired him for that very reason to uh, to take Anthony Richardson and and do the same thing I'm not suggesting that Jordan Love should be running between the tackles like Jalen you know Jalen Hurts did right Jalen Hurts is squatting 850 pounds or whatever ridiculous it is that's not Jordan Love's game but he does have the wheels and I think he's going to surprise people with it And he's got fresh legs boys this isn't like I mean he's only what 24 years old is that right 23, yes. 24? Yeah, 24. Yep. So he's 24 years old, but you understand he's closer to 21 than 24 because he hasn't gotten beat up. He hasn't put yep. put his body, you know, in harm's way. And that's why I always laugh. I don't mean to be long-winded, but I laugh when people say, oh, that's like the quarterback pick that, uh, that Detroit took, right, Hendon uh, Hooker. Guys, I live in Tennessee, but I despise UT football. I hate it, right? <laughs> but to hear people say, he's 26 years old, what were you thinking? Bro, quarterbacks play till forty years old now. Yeah. Right. So what are we what are we even talking about here? Like you, it's amazing. I always get irked by this because it's if someone is twenty four years old, they're too old. If someone's twenty one, they're inexperienced. What the hell are we talking about? Are we <laughs> which is it? You know, because if they're one one year older, then they've got one year you know more of experience. So anyway, anything else you got on that topic, Jake? I'm sure you do, bud. You're talking to me. Yeah. <clears throat>
5: Well, there was just a couple things that maybe, well, I don't want to get us bogged down, but I will say this. All right, as far as snaps go, on the defense it was a little easier because we are only losing three quote-unquote starters. And I want to say that again. We're only losing three quote-unquote starters. Let me list these starters. Adrian Amos. Okay, yeah, 100%. That guy is a starter. He was 997 snaps on defense. That was first overall. That might have even been – a little bit shying him. No, I think that's about right. He was first overall on defense. We are now losing jerron Reed, who accounted for seven hundred and five snaps. That's eighth overall on the defense. But guys, are we really gonna miss jerron Reed? And look at who's going to be in replacing him. Maybe Wyatt, I would say Slayton possibly any of our um our new guys. And I'll look here, Chris Barnes, which I know is my, wasn't a starter, but Chris Barnes had 147 snaps last year, guys. Dean Lowry 482. Garvin, who I'm sure is not going to make this team because he likes his vacations, 194. So just between Dean Lowry and Jerron Reed, that's almost 1,200 snaps on the D line. Now imagine that. Who are we going to replace that with? I would have to argue our first overall draft pick. Over mm-hmm. you know I mean we got we got we got guys in the hopper here. So yeah. when you look at that. When we're really losing, I mean, I always say this every year, and it's—I, I, I'm sorry. You can put this on my tombstone. The Packers look really good on paper this year on defense, guys, <laughs> oh, right? Yeah. I'm going to say end. it. We've got, like, everybody that basically – so we lost three starters, quote-unquote. Everyone else is the number one draft pick. That's yeah. basically how you can look at it.
3: All right, so dude, the talent's there, and and as far as the defensive line, we got Dakota on the line with us here. Now I'm really excited, really excited to have him on here. When you hear this accent, man, he just makes me feel at home. He makes me want to eat some cornbread, dude. When you hear his accent, but how you doing, Dakota? Man, I'm
6: doing all right. How y'all doing?
3: (laughs) We're doing great, man. Doing great. We're just sitting here, like like a couple of nerds, and it's uh, I don't know. It's kind of fitting seeing that you're that nerd on Twitter, right, man
6: look okay i try to live up to that nerd regarding football i gotta say man i it took me about probably 30 seconds to figure out how to unmute myself and i got it just in time (laughs) and i've been listening about the last six minutes and y'all are gonna have we are about to dumb it down i'm telling you right now
3: (laughs) hey that's good man i need i need somebody else to uh to bring uh bring this thing back down sometimes these guys between jacob and tim and it gets out of control they get way too intelligent um so I don't know if you heard Jacob. We kind of talked about the topic that you messaged me about, you know, just talking about snap counts throwing it around. And Jacob just hit on defensive line a little bit. Jacob, to answer your question, dude, um, I me personally, I think what you're gonna see is TJ Slayton in the nose. You're gonna see Kenny in the one, or the you know, when it comes to the nickel, I think you'll see Kenny in the one tech. Yes. And I think you'll see uh, Devontae Wyatt in the three-tech. And um, so when you're in the base 3-4 defense, which we know is is a little more rare, seeing that uh, the majority of teams are playing 11 personnel, three wide receiver sets, which tri- triggers the sub package, the nickel, um, I think that's who you're going to see eat those, eat those snaps up if they are healthy right now. When you said that about the first-round pick, dude, you know what I want. I want to see when you have a rotation going, when Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith are both healthy and you got a rotation interior on that nickel, I want to see Lucas Van Ness between the tackles, man. I want to see him in there just and pushing. That they they
5: said that he was pushing guards back just on his bull rush. That's it. No, no hand swap, no foot work, nothing. He just straightened bull rush. He's pushing NFL – two- or three-yard guards or two- or three-year guards into the backfield, which has right. to be more impressive than anything.
3: And you can see the, the tape that I shared on Twitter, and we'll get back to you, Dakota, but the the, the tape i seen on Twitter, I mean, he's pushing two first-round picks around. He's pushing yeah. Paris Johnson around. He was pushing old Peter Skaronsky around. It's like, dude, these guys have been around the game of football their entire life, and they are mammoth of men. And you just see him put his head down, go right through them, and drill the quarterback like i'm not suggesting he's going to come out and just instantly be michael strahan or one of these absolute superstars but he's got that grown boy strength man they don't call him hercules for nothing i could see him push the pocket in that nickel package but dakota what do you got for us man is there anything you want to specifically hit on here um before we wrap this thing up here shortly
6: oh no man i I, y'all were just talking about lucas man how old is he again y'all know I don't, I don't, let me check.
5: I'll check right now. I want to, no, I think he's maybe 21, 22.
6: Yeah, I know he's not old, but he's not like young, young, but he's not old either. 21. 21. Yeah, Yeah. because I, so I remember, (laughs) I'm little, y'all. I ain't a big guy. When I graduated high school, I was about 127 pounds and I was bench pressing 190. When I got to college and started working out, man, I got up to 215. Now again, the difference between 190 and 215 as far as benching on my, you know, me, my littleness, that's a lot. I can't wait to see what an NFL weight room does for that man. Oh, it's, yeah. That's really exciting. Yeah,
3: no, it's, and it's the same it's, thing with some of the speed coming out of college, too. You know, you think, okay, that's what they're going to top out at. No, we got the best strength and conditioning coaches. They're going to work on, you know, creating even more speed. That's why you see people like Devontae Adams run such a bad 40 time. Then they get to the NFL, get with these NFL coaches, and they just kind of take off. But, uh, yeah, he was born July 6, 2001. It <clears> makes <throat> me so depressed when I see people were born after 2000, bro. I'm Jeez. just like, where has the time gone? Tim, what do you think about Lucas Van Ness possibly fitting into – uh this the this rotation on defensive line. I know Greg Cosell kind of pointed out he's hearing out of green Bay. He's only going to play edge. I think that got passed along because Rashawn Gary is, uh, obviously there's a good chance he might not be ready for week one. So maybe they're really getting Van Nets ready to fill that role. And then maybe they do kick him inside a little bit later, but you know, like I think it was, uh, it might have been Joe Barry. It was one of the defensive coaches. They asked him, and they said, uh, you know, do you anticipate him cutting weight, putting on weight? And he said, well, he can't cut any more weight. He's just solid <laughs> muscle. If he loses anything now, he's just going to be losing muscle. But uh, what do you think Smash about that rotation we talked about, Tim? Yeah.
4: Um, I think when you look at his tape, you can see the versatility already in his game, and he's clearly a freak of nature. So trying to find a spot for him, uh, I would not want to be one of those coaches. <laughs> Because it's going to be difficult, and I think that's going to play to our advantage um, while waiting for Rashawn to rehab this injury and get back and get us to full strength. So, yeah, I think, you know, inside, outside, I mean, drop them back. You can put them in the box. You know, I don't (laughs) think the guy's athletic. And, um, you know, to Jacob's point, if you're pushing NFL guys around
3: like they're rag dolls,
4: clearly (laughs) we made a good pick in the first round, didn't we, boys?
3: Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's. I think it's a solid pick. Go ahead, Jake.
5: No, the only thing I was gonna say is, imagine if Rashawn Gary isn't ready to play. Preston's Preston. We've got. um uh, uh, Who are we just talking about? Homeboy holding it down. But then imagine if like Brenton Cox is the guy that we all think he could be, and maybe uh, Ladarius Hamilton makes the makes the roster for some reason, right. you know. And you have like we have like a, a Baltimore Ravens type depth where you're like, who knows who the next freak is. It's just, if one guy gets hurt, all of a sudden we realize, Oh my God, we've got another freak here. That's just going to be eating quarterbacks for their next professional three years. And maybe they fall after three years, but that's all we all do. I would just want to start cranking out edge rushers. We got any Barre coming back, which I think that might be one of the more underrated uh, signings we've done in a long time. I mean, the guy had a, what was it? Ryan talking about like a, a very very quiet good first year as a as a pass rusher and you know uh, Preston I I love Preston to death and he's been steady Eddie is basically what he's been doing but imagine if we get him basically just locking down he's really good against the run he's great at setting the edge but if we have like three or four really really good pass rushing uh, edges like between let's I at mean, let's just say Gary Vaness uh, and then let's say anybody Brenton Cox Hamilton I mean I just Imagine that lineup. We haven't had a lineup like that in a long, long time. Even with me, even when we had Smith, Zadarius, and then Gary, but who was our fourth? Imagine now if we have a four and a five. That's amazing. That's right. unbelievable.
3: That's the name of the game, dude. You know, you've you've got your what people consider premier positions. You guys hear me call them tier one positions, right? You got tier one and tier two positions, and everything else. The, the most important. Now, how do you how do you ensure that you have those positions? covered right well you you draft when you don't need it right you go into free agency and you rather than just trying to get zadarius smith or preston smith you land on both right and those those tier one positions for me are left tackle quarterback edge and defensive tackle what was the big controversy the last three years why in the heck did we draft jordan love when we had aaron Rodgers? because the best time to draft a quarterback is when you don't need a quarterback right that's how i mean it worked out Think about it. They went and spent a first round pick. They traded a first round pick on Brett Favre when they had the magic man, Don Mikowski. Everybody in the league would tell you, other than Sterling Sharp, he was the best player on that team, right? And what did they do? They traded a first round pick for a fat, out of shape, drunk quarterback (laughs) in Southern Mississippi, right? And he comes up there. If they hadn't done that, that – that's that era during the seventies and eighties would have carried right into the nineties, you know. I think hey, he I can still
4: hear Jerry Glanville screaming at Brett Fire to this day.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did hey, he him, hey, didn't he miss The Mr. only reason
5: they kept him around was so he, uh, Jerry Glanville could bet how far he could throw the ball in the stands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that they was what he said. used to literally be like. I bet my third string quarterback could throw the ball far than your third string quarterback. Yeah.
4: So Jerry Gl- Glanville was Uncle Rico before Uncle Rico? Is that?
3: <laughs> Boom. There you go, That's Dakota. It. You hearing this? You hearing this Southern slander over here, Dakota?
6: <laughs> Look, I'm just saying, if you don't do it, do it right. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I love it. Love it. Yeah. No. So you went from you know you had you had the magic man right, and I don't sit there and pretend like I was a Packer fan at the time. I, I love looking back on it and kind of understanding the history. But um, you you've got you've got a solid starting quarterback. They traded a first round pick for a guy. He steps into a Hall of Fame career. You had that same Hall of Famer, right? What did you do? You drafted in the first round Aaron Rodgers, who went on to be a Hall of Famer. You've got Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback. What do you do? You draft Jordan Love. Now, I'm not suggesting that Jordan Love is going to be a Hall of Fame quarterback, but it gives you the best chance. And what it tells you is that when they drafted Jordan Love, they had a draft grade on Jordan Love that told them he is worthy of this pick. Typically, it's it, you, you're willing to reach one tier. For a quarterback because it's that important. What do I mean by that? You've got draft grades, right? And the 33rd team does a great job of this. They show you how teams actually put draft grades on players and they keep those grades on those players throughout their career so they can look back and say, "Okay, who's on the wire? Who's on the market that we can sign that we were real high on during draft time? But they put that grade on that player and you've got everybody across the board with their grades, right? And you've got your horizontal board set. If a quarterback is one tier below, you treat it like a current tier because it's that important. You're willing to reach one tier for that quarterback. So what it tells me is when they were high-fiving and shaking hands and and excited, although we knew it ticked Aaron Rodgers off, when they made that Jordan Love pick, they had him either as a current or just one tier lower on the the draft board when they took him. So – when people say, oh, I think Jordan Love's going to be a bust, okay, you're telling me you understand football better than the entire scouting department in Green Bay. And keep in mind, when Mark Murphy – when Mark Murphy made that move to uh, Brian Gutekunst, you know, when Ted got sick, when Ted Thompson got sick, you know, uh, God rest his soul. So, when he went to Brian Gutekunst, Mark Murphy said at the presser, we – I basically went to everybody in the organization that was a scout and said, bring me your scouting reports. I want to know what grade you had on what players. And he basically chose Goody because Goody had the best scouting report record. That's why he chose Goody. He had Russ Ball handling the contracts, which a lot of people wanted Russ Ball to be the GM. But what has been the tradition in Green Bay? From ever since Rom Wolf? it was we want someone with a scouting background to be general manager. And lo and behold, Rom Wolf with a scouting background went out and signed Reggie White in free agency. He traded a draft pick for Brett Favre. And then you move on to Ted Thompson. And it's oh well, he's, he's just a scout. What did he do? Signed Charles Woodson in free agency, signed Ryan Pickett, all these key players. What did Goody do? He went out and signed the Darius Smith, Preston Smith, Adrian Amos, right? So even though they're scouts at heart, you're willing to, at whatever means necessary to put together the best team, but still keep the future in mind. Um, I don't know, man. I just love the way this organization fires. I don't know about you guys, but um, I love it,
4: Clayton. All, and all of that is true, all while drafting and developing at the same time. And, that's, and that has not changed in decades. And I hope it doesn't.
3: Yeah. And we're stepping into this era. We're already in the middle of it, of this cash over cap game, until they close this loophole for converting, you know, salary and roster bonus to signing bonus and being able to kick it down the road, uh, cash over cap. Until that changes, they're gonna continue to play cash over caps. So now you've got that in the back pocket and it's how you can maneuver things when you find that window. All right, here's where we're gonna make our move. You know, everybody beat up the Rams going you know, making fun of them because they said FM picks, right? What did they do? They went and won a freaking Super Bowl. It was worth it, dude. If you had told me, hey, you know, look, Brian's crying in his pillow
5: right now. <laughs>
3: <laughs> if you this is this is my opinion, right? And I and I respectfully, you know, I have nothing against anyone else's. But this is the way I see it. If you came to me and said, Clayton, here's the deal, bro, we're going all in this year, and you're gonna get a Super Bowl trophy. Now you're gonna be hurting for the next two or three years, right? You got to get this clean back up, but you're gonna get that ring. Bring it on, dude. Come on. Give me that ring. Let's do it. Let's make a run. Now, there's a difference between, hey, this is our window. We can do this, and I think this is our window,
5: right? I was going to say, who's telling you that this is your window? Because that's a big deal. Exactly,
3: yeah. And, you know, that's the thing. You've got – this is what's so cool. I'm going to give you a little history here. Sean McVay, who was the head coach there, right, he was – you know, Hillman, I, I can't remember the name. of Was it Les Snead? Uh, who the general manager was at the Rams? But you had Sean McVay who had his hands all in the construction of that roster, right? A lot of people don't know this. Sean McVay's father actually worked for the San Francisco 49ers for years, right? Sean Mc, his name was John McVay, right? That was basically the right-hand man to Bill Walsh in that entire dynasty in, in San Francisco. A lot of people don't know that. Everything kind of – kind of ties back in. And when you look at it from that perspective, you go, what did San Francisco do? Remember, they went out and got uh, got who was it? Uh, there were several free agents they went out and got. You remember Dion? They got Dion at one point, right? They were very active in free agency in San Francisco. And when you had that oh. dynasty, you know, whether it was from, you know, starting in the late 80s all the way up through the 90s, dude, they were the freaking team to beat. But I just think that's so cool how – You know, Sean McVay works himself into a head coaching job. They go all in and get the ring. I wouldn't be surprised to see them back in a couple years. But the big thing, though, when you look at these teams that are just absolute powerhouses, they're strong in the trenches, man. When you look at those two Super Bowl teams last year, the thing that pops in my mind the most is they had two of the best centers in the entire National Football League. You had Kelsey at at center for Philadelphia, and then you had – that young boy that we passed on in Kansas City. If you guys remember, we took Myers over him. Creed Humphrey, I think says his name. Humphrey, yeah. Yeah. They they built it. I don't know, man. When you look at when you go back to the LA Rams, who was who do you think was the most important person in them winning the Super Bowl? Some people would say it was Cooper Cup. Some people would say it was Matt Stafford. All of them important. But Aaron Donald's when it comes to mind for me. Yeah. And that's exactly what Michael Lombardi talks about. Everybody thinks they got a three tack and they don't have a three-tech. When you got a three-tech, you can win You can win a lot of ball games. You probably shouldn't. But, uh, yeah, Ryan, you're probably right. Ryan's probably mad at me for saying that. Oh, he's, yeah. he's been a little bit under the weather. So he said, right I can't now. believe this guy's a part of my network, dude. God, talking about Everything we
5: talked about going all in? Come on, man.
3: <laughs> I, You know, it's important to be smart about, it. like you said, who's telling you what move to make,
6: who's telling you to go yeah. all in. But we're going
3: to get ready to wrap this thing up. Dakota, you got anything else, man, you want to talk about?
6: Uh, nothing to, to, not, not anything recapping what y'all ended up saying. I just know every time I wake up in the morning, I keep thinking about, man, I can't wait to see that speed on offense. I'm um, I'm just excited for, uh, Musgrave, Reed, Watson getting back out there. I, I can't wait to see my guy love throw the ball. There's this guy on Twitter. Shoot, I can't, one of the Bears guys, and he's one of the ones that I, uh, uh, Talk to a bunch on there. He seems pretty cool, but then he just keeps saying these little things. They get right up under my skin, and I want to put a boot somewhere, and it's – I can't wait. <laughs> hey, and, and I'm I'm of the opinion, you know what? Let
3: them have their fun, dude. Let them, let them run with it. They do it every year. They, and and I've always been the guy, Jacob, you know this, I've been the guy that's like, man, I get along with Bears fans. I respect them. There's like this mutual respect. I get on Twitter and I'm like, these are different Bear fans on Twitter, boy. They are delusional. <laughs> and, you know, Justin Fields may be great. He may end up, you know, turning into an awesome quarterback. But you're not going to convince me that's what you're seeing on the field right now. No, okay. Like, I think it was uh, Bruce Edmonds posted on Twitter earlier and I shared it. I was just laughing so hard. He was like, so you're telling me that your quarterback peaked while you were losing the last 10 Three. games? The
5: <laughs> they, won, they lost 10 straight, bro. Like, what <laughs> are you crazy. doing? Come on.
1: It's crazy.
5: I just, oh, I've dude. never
3: oh, – anyways,
5: yeah. I, I've never felt – seen people that are so confident with so little. It's like being I, – I don't want to say the analogy. I'll I'm
3: telling you, dude, time. when we go to Chicago week one, Dakota, what <laughs> I want to see, dude, I want to see Jordan Love scramble for about 55 yards for a touchdown and do exactly what they think Justin Fields is just absolutely awesome at, right? I think it would be better than him dropping a bomb. It's him showing the legs and go, hey, we got to run a quarterback too. It'd
5: be, it'd be better if he did it and then he just, for whatever reason, just looked at him and didn't even look and then he did the belt. And oh, did a suck it And then did a suck it sign right look, after. Look, I'm
6: just going to tell double, you right now.
5: double
1: tap.
6: <laughs> yeah, I'm going to tell you right now, I am not going to keep it Mayberry when we're watching that game. <laughs> <laughs>
3: he said i'm going he said i ain't going andy i'm going Ernest t bass when the band, say, I'm, there I'm we go rocks <laughs> love it <laughs> dakota dude, we appreciate you joining us dude we're gonna let you go brother and uh we'll do it again man you like i said you always had the link just like tim and uh we look forward to speaking to you in the future man appreciate your time
6: yes sir thank y'all for having
3: me all right have a good night buddy all right, Tim, as we get ready to wrap up, man, what's on your mind, brother? What do you want to – anything else you want to hey say? Hey, man, I said it
4: – I said it about – sorry, Clayton, I didn't mean to step on you. I, I mm-hmm. said it um, last year <laughs> to Bears fans. I said our backup quarterback is better than your starting quarterback. <laughs> and I said that confidently last year.
3: I believe you.
4: Now Jay Money is QB1, and nothing's changed except for that. So, you know, I'm looking forward to uh, – you know 35 to 10 week one green bay packer victory um that that's where my mind's at and i'm with you clayton i've always respected bears fans just because if you look at the history between our our organizations and the things that the bears did uh for the packers back in the day i mean our our lineages are tied together um you know my least favorite fans in the division obviously are vikings fans but lately bears fans have been uh have been, uh,
1: it's been bad. I don't know,
4: I don't even have words for it. <laughs> uh, yeah. you know, um, but they're confident for some reason in their quarterback, uh, despite the last uh two seasons of football that we've seen from them. So, you know, I'm interested to see what happens week one. I'm excited, um, you know, not as excited as I am for camp and uh, shareholders meeting coming up, but uh, you know, it's it's a good time to be a Packer fan, boys.
3: Yeah, Definitely. absolutely, it is very well said, dude. We appreciate your time, man, and, and as always, dude, we look forward to talking to you uh, on the next show, man.
4: Thanks, Dan. Thanks, man. I'll make sure I don't sound like a paper bag underwater next time. I'll get this uh, <laughs> connection figured out. Hey, sounded good,
3: man. Sounded good. Hey, we're, we're all trying to figure it out, and, I, and I'm trying to narrow it down. Like, I'm going to ask you questions and Dakota questions when we get offline. Uh, I just want to know what device are you using because I'm going to narrow this down because there's been people with great connection. Like, we had Blaine on. I mean, he had way better – speed internet than I did, but it, it sounded like, it just sounded horrible. It sounded like Ernest T Bass on the shines is what it sounded like to be honest with you. But anyway, we appreciate you, brother. You have a good night, man.
4: Thanks guys. Appreciate it. Go Pat. Go.
3: Yeah, man. Thanks, see Tim. you. Go Pat. Go. Yeah. So, uh, one last comment here, um, as we get ready to wrap up, uh, we had in the chat and, uh, this is Brad said, you guys have no idea. LOL. The lack of the internet led to a ton of, let's see what this <laughs> are. <harvory."> Favorite. <laughs> Brett favor.
6: Brett favor.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, you know, that's, that's been a big topic. I I was talking to people online earlier on Twitter and, and they were kind of, kind of talking about how, um, you know, a lot of similarities, you know, when Brett was here, um, it would have been, you know, very, very similar if you had Twitter back then and now. And, um, I don't know, man, I just wish fans wouldn't be so toxic. When it comes to the change of the guard, it's a part of the game. It's something that's going to happen. Like I said, Jordan Love may be a superstar. He may not pan out, but either way, I don't understand the fan that doesn't want to be optimistic and go, hey, let's at least give him a shot. You know, uh, like I told a fan on Twitter earlier today, we were chatting back and forth and it got a little bit heated. And, and I, dude, I was in the stands when Aaron made his first start at, at Lambeau. It was Monday night football against the Vikings. I was 13 rows from the field, and I remember sitting next to this guy. And I looked at him, and I'm like, "Man, let's, let's say, hey, let's see what this kid can do. You know, let's see what we got." And that first pass, like I said in the last episode, my head went like this, watching it sail through the air. I was like, "Oh my god!" Looked over at him, and he said, "Brett, who?" Right? <laughs> and it was, we were off and running. Um, just, just give him a chance. I, I, I don't understand. There's nothing positive that comes out of, oh, I think this guy's going to be a bust. And you can fan how you want to fan. People call me, you know, fan boy, and they say, oh, I'm Mr. Sunshine and Rainbows. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to look back on my life and go, well, I wish I'd have been a little more depressed. Not going to do it. Anyhow, I'm a fan. So, anyway, cool. Jacob, any parting thoughts, man?
5: No, man, I'm just uh, – I think right now we're, what is it, seven Fridays until we have a kickoff on Packer football. So, come on, man. I mean, how – more excited could you get i love hearing from dakota i love hearing from tim and it's just great to uh like i said keep building this audience i hope you guys keep hanging out with us we're going to try to do this at least two or three times a week yeah. we'll probably start to get into some like upcoming previews because we're getting to the point where we can actually start previewing upcoming opponents but yeah. just think about that that's amazing uh we'll start talking about the 53 53 uh, man roster because we're getting to that point we're gonna be talking about camp talking about who looks good who's not good um i just we have so much content coming on the down the shoot that it's insane. Just open your mouth and ready for the fire hose. Yeah, it's coming.
3: <laughs> and and everything that we're doing here with the guest guys, uh, for those of you listening on the pod too, we're testing all the software out. We're we're wanting to get to a point where we can incorporate this more because we want you guys to be a part of the show. And can I say something,
5: Clayton, real quick? Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to just let's just say Clayton's too uh, too proud to maybe promote some of this stuff. Let's just say we got some. He's got some good uh, some good guests in the mix coming up. Just a tease a little bit. Some, <laughs> some people that you would think like, holy crap, Clayton's on the move. So let's yeah. just, uh, you know, stay tuned. Things are coming. Good things.
3: Yeah. And, and I guarantee Same. you they're going to be thinking, why in the world would they talk to this redneck? But we got a few <laughs> things. Hey, we got some old. We got some new. We got people that were recently on the roster that could potentially yeah. be guests. We got one of my favorite podcasters in the in the hopper. He's supposed to jump on. i trying not to be too overbearing, just giving people a little bit of time to get there. And we've also got a guy that I'm I'm eager to see if if this guest joins the show. I'm eager to see how the fans handle it because he caught a lot of flack. Um, I don't want to give it away, but if he joins the show, you'll know exactly who he was. And uh, he caught a lot of flack when he was on the team and I'm hoping green Bay fans will be like, you know what, dude, he actually went on to have a pretty decent career um, in another city. And I think it would be really cool to get his perspective because I think that sometimes uh, a story is painted in a light where, you know, certain people can't win. They can't come out like, Oh, well, I understand that side of the story. They never got a chance to tell their side of the story. right? Right. And I think when you hear his side, if indeed he does come on the show, I think we'll all come away going, you know what, he was only here for three, four years, however long it was, but you know what, once a Packer, always a Packer. That's what I respect about the Raiders. That's their big motto. And Al Davis just, he embedded that into that entire organization that, look, once you're a Raider, you're always a Raider. As long as you don't do anything to to hurt that symbol, to hurt this team, we're always going to have your back, right? And I hope that uh, if that guest does join the show, we'll we'll all come away going, yeah, man, that's the right way to handle it because he's got a side of the story to tell, and I'm, I'm eager to hear it, man, because the NFL was way, way different back then. Oh, yeah. And, um, yeah, I just I just respect people that, that put their body on the line to make this game what it is and give us the opportunity to continue to watch this great game. It's why I'm a big advocate for – the ex players getting the the insurance they deserve and all that, and I understand things don't come free, guys. I'm a business owner, man. I understand this. You can't just a lot of people just think, oh, you know, so and so is wealthy. He should snap his finger and and be able to make this happen. But there's a lot of logistics that go into doing things the right way and uh, and doing things that I think people really really want um, want them done and not just hey this is how society is and prevents us from doing it you know we're getting ready to celebrate the fourth i'm gonna wrap up with this and i think it's under, important to understand what the fourth of july is you know everybody just looks at it like hey this is just the time to cook out and shoot off fireworks and get drunk and go on the lake and all that but man when they sign that declaration now i know this ain't a history podcast but i could talk for hours on this when they signed that declaration, guys, it wasn't just, hey, yeah, we're done with this. Let's just let's just make this official. No, they were signing their life away. That was a
5: deed saying that you can kill me. Yeah. And then what's more impressive is that the guys that signed it, well, I can't remember the exact man, but someone who said, I want my name to be the most clear, yeah. largest signature that you can see because I want them to know that I was.
3: Yeah, because that was John Hancock. and, and Han- then- nah, Herbie Hancock. <laughs> Yeah, because he was he could he could read the room and see that man, these guys are really nervous about this because they're signing their death warrant. They're they're yeah. they're basically saying, look, Anyone if we come and kill me. war, we're all gonna be hung. And yeah. almost all of them, if not all of them, were extremely wealthy. They had everything to lose and nothing to gain from this. But the people that gained from it are the ones you're seeing on the screen right now. The people that are listening to this right now, it was us. They put their life on the line so we can live free. They basically, and and what John Hancock said was, I ain't even, I'm going to write mine so large, the King ain't even got to put his damn glasses on. He can, he'll can yeah. he be able to read it without He's putting his spectacles on. That's exactly what he said. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's just, just understanding that. And when I think of those same people, I also think of the people of the military today and, and people who have died in battle and just to protect our freedom. And it's important. It's important just to take a second and go, thank God, those brave men and women um, were willing to put it all on the line because there were women involved in the, uh, in the revolution as well. A lot of people don't know that, but uh, again, it ain't a history podcast. You're going to get me into something that I'm more passionate about than, uh, than football, but that's not the time or place. Anyway, I want to thank everybody in the chat for hanging out with us. We really appreciate it. Uh, Appreciate the guests, uh, both Tim and uh, and Dakota. You guys crushed it, man. Like I said, we just want to incorporate this stuff and uh, and get you guys more involved, and, and it's going to be way more enjoyable. I'm telling you, Jacob. We get you know a handful of people like this that we can handle, um, you know, calling into the show. Post game shows are going to be lit this year, dude. It's going to be, be awesome. It's going to be awesome so yeah. appreciate everybody's time for those of you listening on the podcast um probably be dropping this on saturday give you guys a little bit of holiday weekend listening if you're out mowing the lawn or out on the lake give you something to listen to a lot of people are taking the weekend off so we're gonna get it out to you quick but we appreciate you making us a part of your holiday weekend and uh yeah appreciate everybody's time as always let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world go pack go
0: for jordan love 37 here he is throwing in the middle it's caught by watson he's got great speed turning the corner christian watson down the sideline and he will score whoa hang on
2: love to watson to a one score game this one is the stunner you basically feel like all right this eagles team sort of has this thing under control and Christian Watson hits the Jets again. Six touchdowns down in the last three games. He is really something
3: when he gets in the open field and running. That was some throw by Jordan Love, too.